You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome, my Druids, once more to the Making a Druid podcast, the podcast that is personally aiming to turn every casual TV watcher into a Druid. And for those of you who may not know, <laughs> what it is, is it not? It's kind of, it's kind of, that's the name. <laughs> yes, but I, you said casual watcher. No casual watcher would be listening to a podcast. They might. They might. Okay, I'm you're right. Watching, they might. I don't know why you got to put that out in the universe like that. Okay. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yes. And for those of you who may not know, a Drood is a Nancy Drew fan. This is a Nancy Drew podcast, as it says in the name. Drood was given to us by our humble leader, head actress, who plays Nancy Drew, Kennedy McMahon. We love you. Um, She's great. She's an amazing Nancy Drew. What, I mean, what, do you agree? Like, at this point, I, I I mean, we're only at episode four, but she's, she's good. I like her. I, I mentioned that in the first episode, I thought she was on the weaker side at the beginning, but it was all intentional and that makes her a strong actress. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talk about my love for the canon, the books or whatever, and like every episode, because I can't help myself, but she, she really is the epitome of what as a book reader, I would expect adult Nancy to be. So, um, <laughs> I am a Kennedy stan as well. So we always start the podcast with a current body count and Teresa is the keeper of the counts. So Teresa, what is our current body count? We are still at one body uh, that has uh, been extinguished or has been deaded um, on our screens. We are not counting Lucy Sable or any off-screen deaths. Um, So we're still at one with Tiffany Hudson. Tiffany Hudson, the death that we all thought was boring until last episode um (laughs) (laughs) that's not terrible but it was infinitesimally much less interesting than the lucy sable thing so uh i don't know if you'll end up keeping this in the uh in episode three i I haven't listened to it yet but i did mention that i cared more about lucy sable until (laughs) episode three (laughs) that's why you brought it up (laughs) i was just like I did not care about Tiffany Hudson until <laughs> until the third episode, which I don't know what that says about me as a human it, being. It's but. okay. We we still love you. Uh, so Tiffany Hudson at this current moment in time is still the only dead person on our screens. We I don't feel like it's a spoiler to say we're we're gonna have more. <laughs> I figured. Um, given the context of the show, I figured bodies will be dropping soon. Yes, we, we will have more bodies. Don't worry. And, you know, I also feel like maybe at this point, I know we're doing ghost sighting tally, but maybe we should keep a, keep a list of all the ghosts we've seen. Yes. So we've seen what we are saying is Lucy. I say assuming because I am not a hundred percent convinced it's Lucy, but you know, I think hard to convince. (laughs) I'm going to assume Lucy, I'm writing it down. Um, and uh, we have Rita, the uh, what was it? The guest, the barister, yeah, yeah, the tourist that was beheaded in the last episode, which is a great leeway 
into our recap. I should get some dramatic music to play after I say recap. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, who knows? Okay, so in reference to Rita, at the end of last episode, our beloved George, we found out that not only is she a believer in ghosts, we had that really cool scene where Rita said, don't leave the circle or whatever, that was neat. Uh, but George is haunted by a ghost in the storm last semester, uh, last semester, last episode. And she also is cursed at this point because of the blood bucket, right? Oh, that blood bucket. I know, I know. It's almost like foreboding. They might even drag it out a while. Who knows? <laughs> Not me. I wouldn't know. Definitely. I mean, she, she does have a whole year. We have a whole year. And it's from what I, so, so far, all of the episodes have taken place within a day. So <laughs> they're really taking their time. They're really <laughs> dragging this out and not, I don't mind it. It's not at all slow, but like she has, she has a while George does. Yeah. It's like, um, in Smallville, we always used to, and yeah, I'm showing my age. I watched Smallville live, uh, in so Small <laughs> not till the end, but I did. In Smallville, we always joked there was the freak of the week, right? Because they had some sort of meteor-infected person in every episode there for like, I don't know, five, six seasons. It was a really long time. It's like when Nancy Drew, are we going to have like a ghost every episode? Is it going to be a new spiritual awakening in each episode? I love that face that you just made. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, George is cursed. She was haunted by Rita. Poor George. She sat in a salt circle, but she did survive. Nick saved her, which was really sweet. Speaking of Nick, Ned Nickerson. He the was reason officially... I care for Tiffany. Uh, yes. The reason we now care about Tiffany <laughs> and her death. As sad as it was. Ned was officially eliminated as a suspect this past episode. We found out his entire backstory about even his the manslaughter charge. Basically, he was arrested for being a good person, sadly. And he tells Nancy, shares with her his relationship with Nancy's mom, who was his social worker, and how she convinced him to meet with Tiffany, who was the witness that put him away. Tiffany was really guilty about it after she found out what actually happened. And so before she died, and we discussed how she didn't know she was going to die, but she did know she was being haunted, right? So that might have put an urgency into her, but she was secretly trying to get him millions of dollars in bearer bonds so that Nick could have a fresh start since she felt like she had ruined his life. To do so, she had to go through a variety of puzzles and clues and it was basically a nancy drew video game and it was amazing they did he he did then confide in nancy and nancy helped him solve it and they found the bear bonds and we talked about also how it was five she says it's five million but we're uncertain is it five million and nancy's like a super math inflation genius or was it five million back in the 1900s which would be more now 
I feel I'm like so convinced that it's five million back in the day. Because uh, no matter how smart you are, I don't think you would immediately know what the inflation number is. <laughs> I feel like we should tweet it out to the the Drew Crew writers room and be like, "Hey, we discussed in our episode today. Can you please provide some some background?" Yeah. If any of you know, let us like tweet at us and let us know. We're very much curious about the answer. Please do. So that's what happened to Nick and Nancy. Uh, on the other side of the Drew family, our uh, squishy slash weird hybrid lawyery teddy bear, <laughs> uh, Carson. <laughs> Carson has, you know, at the end of last episode, not last episode, the last last episode, he had decided to take on Ryan Hudson as a client in order to get Nancy out of jail. That darn Nancy so this episode he's really working with ryan to kind of wrap up tiffany's estate and we find uh we found out in that this last episode that he has a clause in his prenuptial agreement that said he inherits tiffany's estate if she dies of natural causes which is really strange but he and carson spend the whole episode trying to hash that out and also being haunted the two of them were being haunted and Teresa and I never came to really an agreement as to whether it was them individually or the house or what. I, I thought it was Ryan because, you know, I had that theory that somehow Ryan's connected to Lucy. I'm still not a hundred percent sure or ready to let that go. It might be both of them as individuals because I also think Carson might be involved in Lucy given his connection to the Hudson's from before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be the house. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, and also we know that Carson has Lucy's dress. Yes, he did. And he burned so, it in an excessive somehow, manner. In an excessive manner. Exactly. So somehow he ended up with her dress, which, you know, we still don't know how he did that. Lastly, it appears that at long last, our beloved Drew crew are growing together. And not just Nick and Nancy, Nick fell on the sword, so to speak. He was the first one to really share out about himself and really open up to the group because, you know, Teresa pointed out the last podcast, they're all kind of loners and Mm -hmm. none of the, all of them have secrets from one another. And this, this last episode, Nick was the first one to be like, I'm going to lay everything, all my cards on the table. And you could see where they were starting to form a group dynamic. And the fact that, you know, they did what they did to save George. And then at the end of the episode, Ace texts Nancy and has Nancy come and kind of rescue Bess because her van got destroyed. And Nancy takes Bess back to her house to stay. So she's just not sleeping in her van anymore. And also, that's how the episode ended. She found tiffany's ring Bess has the ring which we already knew right nancy did not know yeah she's a little slow on the uptake but i I know i mean i say that but she's really not she's high key very intelligent and she's uh, way smarter than i am right now (laughs) she's very smart she's 19 and she's she's you know but yeah, and, and, you know, so that's how the episode ended. We also just in general found out a lot more about the Drew crew in last episode, uh, each of the individuals. And we're going to find out more in this one. So here we go. 
episode four, and it is titled what? The Haunted Ring. <laughs> Which I accidentally let slip last episode. <laughs> she, she mentioned it. To be fair to Allie, I did already know the ring was going to be haunted because I had already looked at the episode title, so it wasn't <laughs> like she gave anything away. I'm sorry, you guys. I failed. <laughs> I failed. I did not. I did not mean to. But it is called the Haunted Ring. It is the fourth episode of season one, and this is the episode I feel like where things really start rolling. The first three episodes are filled with a lot of like exposition, a lot of foundational things. And this is the episode where we really start getting in on the plot. And the Drew Crew writers room really loves plot. Let me tell (laughs) you. And they have, they, they, unlike other shows that I may have watched on the CW in the past, they actually plan their seasons out as a season, right? Which I'm sure most writers' rooms do. But this is a I this mean, is a mystery. They right? should all do that. <laughs> it is up for debate whether or not that actually happens, though. I I would. I'm say. sure it doesn't. But just I want to put this out into the universe. If you want a good show, you you plan it out as a whole first, <laughs> and then you break down the details. And then but you down the details. They, so this is a mystery show, right? So th- they have, they, in order to make it make sense as a mystery, you have to do that. And they, I would go, I would even go further to say that they probably have to be more detailed in their season long arc planning more so yeah. than other shows. It's not, 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 not just because it's a mystery and a murder mystery at that. It's because of, for the supernatural element to really work out, you really do need um, those details in there and be very much ingrained in your planning. And I think you can tell that they they really took their sweet time. Um, and that's necessary for a show like this because you can't, that supernatural element can really make or break a show um, if it's not done properly. So um, that for sure. Yeah. And also... if it's not planned out well it comes off it comes across as segmented like why are we watching this episode uh and they're very intentional in their planning there's 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 a purpose like even with the rita ghost in the last you know little episode that showed us that george is a little bit more predisposed to the supernatural than george was letting on Mm -hmm. so even when we have those random freak of the week ghosts they have some sort of purpose in the overall plot and as it's moving forward and it has significance. So in the voiceover, we have narrator Nancy, who is our favorite character. (laughs) And she is basically to sum it up, she's super suspicious of Bess now, which honestly, duh, she has the ring. Yeah, it's super sus. Poor Bess. Um, Bess seems... Uh, I, I, well, I think Bess is innocent. I'm almost hundred percent sure it is given that Bess is still around for season two. Um, you don't know that from what I can tell. Yes. Um, I'm on Twitter (laughs) and most of these people are, they can, it's an easy Google search. Um, dang it. You're supposed to not be on Twitter or Google. Didn't you know? Okay. 
tell me how <laughs> find a way to make that happen I'll probably send you money but and she just doesn't seem like someone who can kill like she seems she very, she does seem very Bambi like yeah I guess like does she have could she be a kleptomaniac absolutely I could totally get have you seen her clothes yeah it's true <laughs> and she's living in a van so yeah. like those two things do not equate no did she murder someone probably not in my humble opinion does she uh hold up a coach outlet maybe like (laughs) maybe Maybe. but she's very suspect of Bess, which is unfortunate because Bess is now staying at nancy's house because nancy invited her although Mm -hmm. she invited her though though i will say what a fortunate turn of events because does that not make it easier to investigate Bess if she's in close Absolutely. proximity? Keep your friends close and your potential murder suspects closer. Closer. <laughs> exactly. So uh, she is staying at Bess's house. They're trying to sleep. Ghosty things start to happen. And naturally, in the Drew world, apparently, we all walk toward the ghosty things uh, instead of locking our bedroom door and calling the nearest person that we know is awake to comfort us. <laughs> and and I also put, of course she did. I that That's just going to be a thing I say. I'm, I'm sorry. Of course she did. Of course Nancy walked towards the ghosty things. They go downstairs and the microwave freaking explodes. I... I I, okay the microwave explodes and then the tv turns on and it starts playing uh the video, a video. Right? is it nancy's video because it looked it a little different okay it is it's supposed to be nancy's video from the claw that's how she has it later to okay break it down so the video nancy took in the pilot where she was trying to record the fireworks starts playing on the tv and it's you know tiffany's right before she was murdered and then the tv explodes because you know naturally, of course it did. that's what <laughs> exactly that's what tvs do they explode i mean hopefully it's close to black friday and they can get get a cheap one given carson's it. reaction i think not <laughs> i mean do we ever see them watching tv anyways it's not like it matters no, we don't. And not she so has far. A, she has a MacBook. I don't think, the, and he's a lawyer. I don't think they're like thirsting for money. I think they're fine. They can buy well, a new TV. Medical bills, which uh, I think he did mention in this episode later on. He did, and he had a great quote. So we're not going to talk about it yet. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, the TV explodes. Carson comes in and meets Bess, and. Bess confronts Nancy about the ghost. Nancy at this point is kind of half still in denial, right? She wants it to be fake, but I, and we find out later in this episode why, right? Why yeah. she wants the ghost thing to be, to, to be not fake. real. Um, um, but I, I'm just like, girl, there's, okay, there's only obvious. so much ra- rationale I can take, okay? Given it's all true. of the context of the show. Sometimes I'm just like, Nancy, no this is yeah this is no longer logical okay the tv literally played her video and exploded but like i said we'll talk (laughs) we'll talk more about her belief in the supernatural later there's a really great scene with kennedy and then so they go back to sleep because i don't know that i i don't know that i would be able to go back to sleep i I just stay up all night 
for sure would be best in this situation where I she she wanted to get out of there and Nancy's like whatever it's no big deal and she's like I guess um but I here's the thing though I had a question while I was watching this whole kind of scene why does best believe so hardcore in the supernatural I, I feel like because she's best, not from horseshoe bay like aces right there's yeah like, but i feel like best wears her heart on her sleeve okay right she she's that that archetype of a character who just like i don't want to say naive but almost almost naive right okay. almost naive and you know she's got ace her hype man in the corner saying hashtag team ghost so you know ace the the local uh ghost storyteller because that is apparently his role he is he does tell a lot of ghost stories he has every lucy reference apparently memorized he's ready to pull those out you know be like here's a story to like how here's why this is lucy's fault (laughs) which is great um, and it's even funnier when you think about how he's the stoner. He's supposed to be the stoner guy. <laughs> and yes. he's, he's not doing but a he's great- he's also a ghost teller. Ghost yeah, teller I was like, teller. he's not doing a great job of like sticking to this persona. He's supposedly kept for himself. He's trying. So they go back <laughs> to sleep and Nancy has a dream and it's a flashback and Kate is dying. She is in at-home care. It's the night of winter formal. And her mom, Kate, is trying to convince her to go to winter, winter formal, that she should have fun with her friends and she shouldn't be at home worrying about her. And then all of a sudden, it, the scene turns into her headstone. And then it, like, jerk Nancy, jerks Nancy awake. Mm-hmm. So we get, like, a little glimpse into um, what life was like when Kate was really, really bad off. And again, like I've mentioned this before, I've been through a very, very similar circumstance in my life. And I just like how the writer's room didn't shy away from the realities of a situation like that. Like my mom was very much the same way. Like, mm-hmm. no, you need to go to your chorus concert. You, you need to do these things. And so I really appreciate that actually about the writer's room, the way that they portray the death of a parent as a young person. It's, it's, it's different and you don't see it usually on TV when, you, when someone has lost a parent at a young age, they're then aged up, right? To where it's been like a decade since it happened and they either had therapy or they didn't have therapy or what, or you even, you didn't even see the death of the parent. You just know that this parent, this character's mom died when they were really young. Mm -hmm. So just on a personal note, I appreciate that from the writer's room. Yeah, it's not a pretty thing. And they kind of showed the ugly. So they, they, they showed, they showed the not pretty parts of the story. And, and again, you don't see that a lot of the times on TV, much less on like shows, frankly, on the CW, right? Mm -hmm. So after Nancy wakes up, Carson is asking best questions about the Marvins. And I put, she has a very sus reaction my my question 
I was like, Marvin, that's not her name, is it? <laughs> you figured that one out real fast. Well, she didn't know anything about like, you could tell Carson was asking these questions and she's just like, oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Totally. And I got feeling and I could be wrong. I feel like Carson was trying to assess her like trying to see if she's really a Marvin because he had never heard of her before. And as someone from Horseshoe Bay, the mm-hmm. Marvin seemed like a staple, like a family with Kinda history like the there Hudsons, with roots. Right. Yeah. And so to him, which was kind of proven later in the episode, right. That people are like, Bess, who the hell is Bess? We've never yeah. heard of Bess. Um, and I feel like his like lawyer senses were tingling and were trying to assess her and kind of, you know, yeah figure her out by asking these questions do I think Bess probably did her homework beforehand yes uh did it look suspicious absolutely I immediately was like that I guess it's not her name Marvin's not her name (laughs) and this is the same scene where Nancy sees the autopsy report and she tells her dad she's like that's not a true autopsy report and he's like you don't know that and she's like uh yeah i do because she should have a hole behind her ear where i've took her blood and carson's <laughs> like nancy <laughs> she's like what what like hey what you you're my lawyer me? it was like lawyer client privilege confidentiality like, yeah, you can't yeah. tell anybody <laughs> she's protected very direct very nancy at this point she went like she's really full steam ahead she she is back in the saddle of interrogator but I, what i really love is that after this scene she immediately leaves the house because nancy is smart and just like Teresa, she figured out that like bess is lying so she immediately leaves the house and i put i love nancy's jacket covered in dandelions in the scene just throwing that out there Very cute. but uh she she sneaks off to talk to uh who was it it was it was a guy at like a like a doc or something that knows the marvins essentially and she asked about bess and he's like Bess marvin who's that i've never heard of bess and nancy's just like oh really really you've never heard of bess marvin so she figures out that bess is lying which we've been new it was it was pretty obvious she she's a terrible liar she's not a great liar which also reassures me that she can't murderers liar I feel like you can't be one without the other <laughs> unless you're someone who's gonna indirectly walk into the police station and say that I did it <laughs> you're yep. gonna have to lie <laughs> yeah so then Nancy and Nick are back together Nick is super paranoid about the bonds which you know same I would be too and they're talking about how at this point they're almost tempted to let Tiffany's murder go and not get justice for Tiffany because it would clear them, right? So the autopsy has come back and said it was natural causes. They could just stop investigating. But then Laura Tandy is in town. And we find out that Laura Tandy is... Uh, Tiffany's sister. Yes, Tiffany's sister. And we also find out that Tiffany was 28, which puts her, she's like a decade younger than Ryan. Yeah, I was like, I thought she'd be older simply because I was trying to do the math. And you can, my notes. I was like, I was so sure she knew Tiffany because 
Ryan seems older, right? But she's 10 years too. She's like 10 years too young. There goes my theory. I was just like this theory I was banging on <laughs> the entire time so far. Out you the window. So sure. Yeah. She was 10 years younger than Ryan and Lucy. So Laura Tandy's back in town and she is fire. Laura Tandy. We we stand Laura Tandy in this house. She she's ready to she's a tornado, ready to shake things up. She's tornado in designer heels. Pretty much. And she is in town and she is not leaving till she figures out who the heck killed her sister. Cause she is, she can, she's convinced that Tiffany was murdered. So chief McGinnis asked Ace to follow Laura. And this is the first time, uh, well, and I put at this point, like, you know, why does Ace continue to do chief's bidding? Like, is it blackmail? Yeah. Well, we don't really know yet. But the chief mentions, Ace is like, you know, why would you, why? You have deputies. Why don't you get them to follow Laura Tandy? And the chief mentions that Ace and Laura have a history. Yes, they do. And he also mentions a deal, which, okay, the history part we'll get to because Laura, there's a lot of stuff to unpack with Laura uh, throughout the episode. But I, my, my brain was like, what the F did Ace do? Mm-hmm. that he needed a deal with the with sheriff the chief. yeah because we know he's and and, and at this point he had the little the, the little comment he can hack things so it's like we know he's capable of illegal activity no remorse ready to jump in ready to go yeah um, and he 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 did not blink an eyelash no he, um I can so it. <laughs> So I'm just like, the fudge did he do? Like what? And mm-hmm. and how did he get caught? If he got caught, like what? My mind was immediately. I really did not concentrate on Laura until later in the episode when that when that whole thing came so about. That's so funny. Well, yes, uh, we did find out that there's some sort of deal in that part too. So it cl- cuts to the claw. Bess is hearing ghostly whispers. And Ace kind of comes in and interrupts that or whatever, but that's a little concerning. Bess and George, what, sorry. And I was going to say what haunting, that's like what the fourth, fifth person that's being haunted. Something like that. Everybody's being haunted in this town. And Bess and George, well, mostly, I think it's actually just George. George. George has a line, she says, Oh my God, do not Nancy drew this up for us. Where she's referring to the fact that Nancy's still going to investigate Tiffany as being a murderer, even though now they could potentially get off, right? Yeah, without a hit. Natural causes. She's like, don't Nancy drew this up for us. And that line reminded me of the pilot episode where Chief McGinnis comes out and he says, Nancy Drew. And Beth says, why does he say your name like that? (laughs) it needs in, uh, inflection, and it is also uh, it's an, an adjective. It, it, it probably a will become a verb. Uh, it's a, yep, it's a verb in this sentence. Do not Nancy drew Nancy this drew up this for up. us. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways you can use the name Nancy Drew, and I'm yeah. sure all of them she has such a up. presence. She is all the parts of speech. Uh, <laughs> But but then Bess sneaks away after hearing the ghostly voices and gets in the freezer, which one, has she never seen a horror movie? No. Anyone? 
Okay, apparently. Not. None of them. None of these children have. Um, okay. Because. Well, technically they they're had, not children, but. No, they're adults. But when they do stuff like this, they're. Childish they, things. They're childish. Because if they had watched a single horror film, a single television show that is super, has supernatural elements, they would not go anywhere alone. They would not go toward the noises. They, they would, would go upstairs. leave well enough alone. They would never break into a morgue. First of all, like they don't would never go do up any the stairs. The stairs is what gets me. Like you have no escape if you go up the stairs. I don't understand. But she sees into the freezer and she puts on Tiffany's ring and you like exhales and I'm just like. It, are so there creepy. drugs in the ring like I, there, it was weird to watch and i know she explains it later but like i was it's still, still strange that's a dead person's ring yeah well and she continues to hear the ghostly voices and then she gets attacked so george and nancy come to her age she's got scratches all over her legs which this is a, I, I guess this is a ghost sighting maybe maybe not there's a physical interaction. No one really sees and anything, I don't think, right? I can't remember her. I don't remember her. Let's hold off because we do actually see the ghosty at the end, mm-hmm. you know, later. So. We do. So, but when they go to save Bess, of course they see Tiffany's ring. And she she tells them that she found the ring. And she says, I like sparkly things, okay? They calm me. <laughs> which is probably why she was she was hearing the voices she put it on the exhale she was getting calm exactly <laughs> which is okay that that's a thing that apparently happens people get calm over sparkly things then george after they figure out you know she's being attacked possibly by tiffany because of the ring that george says oh so there are two ghosts now and I kind of want to be like, oh, sweetie, there's a lot more than two. I was like, what other ghosts would there be? She, and she interacted with yeah, one the whole entire last about, episode. I know, but they're talking about Lucy. But I guess she doesn't count Rita. I was like, Rita, then Rita was clearly a dead person, an apparition of sorts. I don't understand. That would be, I would have been I mean, like, I there's agree. three ghosts, but. <laughs> I agree. So now Bess is potentially being haunted by the haunted ring. Ding, ding, ding. Get it. Get it. Winner, winner. Whatever. Okay. So we get caught up with Ace at this point and he's trying to follow Laura Tandy. But Laura apparently is also pretty intelligent. She has a very Nancy-esque moment where she's like, hey, look, I bought these for you. And he's like, oh I was just like standing here and she's like dude you've been following me for hours (laughs) it was was great it did remind me of Nancy though didn't it like there was when she ditched Karen yeah and there was this whole again from like last episode that the Tandys are smarter than they look right that they've been like portrayed or painted by Mm -hmm. the town as like these airhead heiresses right that they're just pretty little, like pretty girls. Pretty wealthy who, people. Yeah. Um, but they both like are very intelligent, right? And like, um, and now you, Ryan, you saw, that's yet to be seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping more from him. I still think he's an idiot, but um, yeah. And you see, you see 
all Tiffany's capacity all of last episode with her puzzles and her like rather intense book selections that some of which I have haven't even read and I have a literature degree so like that's Mm -hmm. how you know um and now with this with Laura who's like has an ability to to like clock people and is very determined and um she does have this Drew-esque thing about her where she's Drew-esque confidence yeah um she's ready for the truth she's gonna figure it out and she's the thing that I think the major difference between Nancy Drew and Laura Tandy is as we saw in this very same scene right she's not afraid to use people like I feel Mm -hmm. like Nancy would hesitate at like manipulating someone else she's a loner she works alone she doesn't she barely wanted the Drew crew to help her um and now that they are working together right she she there's still some hesitation of like sending them out into the field but she immediately out into the field out into the field (laughs) quotations they're not actually like in the field I guess they are in the field but um uh, but Laura immediately is like are you still trying to play that like that dumb stoner thing we both know you're smarter uh-huh. than that you're gonna help me get what I want kind of deal and yeah like, I actually wrote that down too you're still doing that bumbling stoner thing huh yeah and I uh, put but except I put oh so she knows ace better than we do jealous, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she clearly does and I know and it's that history piece again, right? They have history and, and a deep-seated one because she clearly sees, and not sees, but knows the capacity he has that he's been very deliberately hiding from literally everyone else. Um, and so and this is the second reference to a hacker, right? So at this mm-hmm. point, she does confirm that he is a hacker. The first reference we have was just the cell phone, right? He said, I can get into it or whatever. But now Laura Tandy is in town. She knows Ace very well. She knows his past. And she said, I need you to hack in and get me this. So we have full-blown confirmation that Ace is basically a computer genius. He's a, he's a hacker, which is great. And Laura, what she wants from Ace is the 911 phone call made by Tiffany the night she died. We don't know why at this point, but that is what no, she wants Ace to get her. Wants. Um, yeah. So um I think it's interesting and I seeing Ace with her will be a very uh fascinating parallel to when he and Nancy finally become like solid friends. Mhm. It's true. Maybe. I I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> so Ryan's family, the Hudson family who we've previously discussed they they kind of are set up in the show a lot like a mob family is what they feel like. Uh, to me, I don't know if you agree with me, but that's how I described them last time. No, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, they they have all the typical tropes of a family like that. A family uh, in a position of power, power with a lot of money. Not just the money, but the fear that's associated. Yes. Just because you have a family that has money, like the Marvins have money, but the way they talk about the Marvins isn't the it's same way that they talk about the, the Hudsons. Hudsons. Yep. And so um, there's just it's the true. way- that they the way they are spoken about makes me feel like people know they're dangerous people know know to to stay out of their way anyone that's connected to them is either doing something illegal or you know morally ambiguous at best <laughs> um and so it for sure seems like it's a mob family 
I do feel like at this point, though, with Carson's interactions and just from what we've seen of him personally, the show is kind of setting up Ryan to be different. So Mm -hmm. Teresa and I were talking about this earlier, like that archetype of a character who grew up in the wrong family, like had they grown up with a different family, would they have been a different person type thing? It does seem like they're going down that road with Ryan, right? Yeah, it does. And and you can tell... um... And I'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail with the funeral scene um, mm-hmm. and his interactions with Carson a little bit. Um, and also his interactions with Tiffany in that scene. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he just, and we were talking about what something, what was his name? The actor's name? Riley I'm really Smith. bad with names. Riley, Riley Smith. Smith. Yep. Um, we were talking about how if he was meant to be completely vile as a human being, they wouldn't have casted someone that looks like Riley Smith, not because he's good looking, which he is, but because there's something about his eyes that make him seem innocent and more trustworthy or yeah. And, and and though I'm sure there are people who would want to cast someone like that to make them the the evil, you know, person seem more innocent at the beginning there's also a, a great nuance to, to keeping those details in mind if you're trying to set someone up as a possible villain, but also giving the opportunity for redemption. For redemption. Yeah. And Ryan, to me, though he's gross, absolutely, isn't irredeemable just yet. There's something about him that I feel can still be saved. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, though, with the casting thing, like, look at who they cast for Everett, his dad, just 100% evil looking dude, right? A hundred percent. There's no way. Does not look like he has a nice bone in his body. So, I mean. Yeah. And and it's just in his posture, the the way they dress him, all of those details are so important. And even the formality, right. And the way that he holds himself and his dress versus Ryan who's not quite so rigid, a lot more no, easygoing, casual, like there's a, there's like a smirk in his words that is less, uh, deviant and more something else, more charming. Sorry. That's my Everett face. Anywho, <laughs> but he does seem to be in a hurry to get Tiffany's estate. And I, it could just be that he really needs money. Like, Maybe his dad's not supplying him with the money he needs to be, you know, live in the lifestyle he's accustomed to. Yeah. Uh, and, and Laura does make a point to say that, right? That the Hudsons may not be as rich as they seem. and yes, Or at least Ryan. Um, yeah. and, and like they're starting the nonprofit in Tiffany's name to get like goodwill of the community and stuff. And it's just like... Yeah, so there is some shadiness in Ryan still. Like I said, that's yeah, still still gross. He's still a girl. Lots of growth to do. I think growth is possible. It's true. All right, so Nancy does a Nancy Drew thing and keeps (laughs) investigating Beth's. She (laughs) can't help herself. I she she really can't. Now that she's like opened that can of worms, it's it's there. It's just it's Groundhog Day. (laughs) And she finds a British passport with a last name that is not Marvin. And Beth catches her 
And Nancy, instead of playing dumb, is like, why do you have a British passport? You're not Marvin. And I'm just like, man, Nancy is really like, she's confronting everyone. She is, she no longer has a, a to give. Like, I mean. (laughs) Which I think is uh, um, maybe not the best approach when you're trying Uh, to be a fly on the wall is stomping and announcing your presence. Yeah, but Uh, I think at this point, though, with the best thing, I think she has it figured out. She's kind of like that lawyer in, in, in like the, the courtroom that while they're interrogating the suspect, they're trying to fluster them. Right. And get it. Yeah, I guess. But here, and maybe it's because I know the ending of this episode as I'm recording it, but I'm also thinking about context is everything. And Nancy doesn't have any context. She just has this idea of what she thinks she knows, which is a true a true thing it's a truth right yeah Bass is not a Marvin but the context of her story is completely I mean it also could just be as simple as Nancy doesn't think that Bess is the killer she does think Bess is a liar you know what I mean so maybe she's thinking if I confront Bess Bess will tell me the truth but I don't need to know more than that because she's not a killer yeah I mean that could be true but she she has been saying is she a, like she's just suspect she's a murderer in the voiceover up until that point so yeah well that's before she told her about the ring and how she just found it and shiny things calm her right shiny things calm her uh, i don't even know what to do with that but anywho <laughs> they they come out of the locker room and there is a woman sitting at the table who we go on to find is George's mom and George's mom is a clairvoyant. Now, this is not the first time we have heard of George's mom. Do you recall the first time we heard about George's mom? No. In the pilot. In the first episode, uh, we we heard that she is, yeah, she's a drunkard who gets arrested. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. And, I, and this gives it context. Now I understand. Before I was just like, well, that damn, she must be a terrible mom. But like if I were hearing voices or seeing things as a clairvoyant, I too would want to drink myself to death. I don't particularly want that as my life. Um, and it seems yeah. like she doesn't either. <laughs> she does it to try and drown out all the things mm-hmm. that she hears. And it also gives context to last episode. We found out that George is more attuned to the supernatural. Then she led on and it's because she was raised by a clairvoyant. And as much as George probably tried to deny the presence of the supernatural growing up, she was still raised to believe in it. Yeah. She's very hard to. I mean, it's hard to let go of like 19 years of, of being uh, told something is true. Right. But it's also kind of interesting that the trauma response, right. She was talking and, and we kind of have, have been clued, we were clued in last episode um, when she said that I've been sitting in salt circles since I was like a baby or something like, I can't remember what the exact line was. Mm-hmm. So we should have seen this coming. Right. Of course I didn't. Um, I just thought <laughs> Until she it happened in, and then it made sense. Yeah, and then it made sense. I just thought she's from Horseshoe Bay. Of course she did. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Lucy Sables everywhere. Come on, um, but this makes sense, right? That that her mom has been trying to protect her in the ways that she knew how. Um, yeah. Given 
the context of her gift and maybe not the best way in the context of the actual reality they have, right? Being drunk all the time isn't a good way to keep a baby safe or a toddler safe for any child. But she tried her best. (laughs) She did. She also compliments Nancy's mom, Kate. Yeah, we hear more about how great Kate is. I know everybody loved Kate. I'm super sad that Kate is gone (laughs) because Kate was apparently this really amazing human being. Uh, Everyone loved her. According, um, I can't remember what's Georgia's mom or George's mom's name. Gosh, I can't think of it right now. Well, give me after the episode, I'll remember it. After this Uh, podcast, um, I'll remember it. Well, we're we, again. I'm terrible with names. By the end of this season, I hopefully I will have all of them. But she did say the good ones die young, and it it sounds different coming from her. And I have no idea if this will be important later. But as someone who's clairvoyant, I feel like she would know. Like she would know things about death and the afterlife and what that and those contacts and and all of that more than anyone um, we always say that right the good ones die young they're like we we always it's how we remember our loved ones right especially those who do leave us sooner than we would like but it sounds different coming from her it's the way she delivers that line uh-huh well and her name is victoria by the way but it also makes you think like it almost it sounds like she is resigned like maybe she also fears that she will die young because mm-hmm. of her connections to like these terrible spirits. But anywho, yeah. she looks at George's, not George's, Bess's scratches. And she does think, she agrees that she says it's probably Tiffany. And of course she knows how to get rid of Tiffany's ghost. She tells them they have to put the ring back on Tiffany's body and place a mirror on top because apparently ghosts are attracted to mirrors, which is a thing. It's a thing, um, which I may sound weird to some of you, but there is someone who is, I don't want to say aficionado. Uh, I do like a good horror story here or there. Hey. Um, mirrors are in a lot of horror stories about stealing your soul and things like that. It is something that is connected to the supernatural in many cultures and has been used throughout uh, uh, time as a way to uh, connect souls. Um, and I, I know when I, was gro- yeah, I w- when I was growing up, my family isn't is a tad superstitious, especially my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. Um, and she at one point uh, would cover her mirrors when she was sleeping because she was afraid someone would steal her soul. Like, I don't know what that was about, but mirrors aren't uh Random. that far yeah it was um something that I caught on I was like "Ooh, I know uh-huh. about that not in that context but I was like mirrors ghosts souls yeah that makes sense to me I'm glad it made sense to you because it did <laughs> but um but yeah so she gives them a plan Nancy heads back to her house. And I said earlier that that was when she confronted Carson or whatever. I was actually wrong. Earlier, she was just suspicious that the autopsy was going to be wrong. This next scene is actually where she confronts Carson about the autopsy being wrong. And he, they get into an argument and he ends up basically talking about how he accepted the job 
from Ryan because he had to pay medical bills and he had to get her out of jail. And Nancy says, how convenient for you to have a daughter and a dead wife to blame your selling out on. Yeah. And you could tell, and you know, based on what happens later, like this really gets to Carson, like, cause he did not want to quote sell out. Right. But he felt like he didn't have a choice. And that is a recurring thing that we're going to see from Carson. He makes a lot of poor decisions because he thinks he has no other choice. And that's all I'll say about that. Ah, yeah, Carson. No wonder you look suspicious. You are a dumb, dumb puppy. <laughs> well, he's very smart, but he's the yes, dumbest yes, smart he's person smart ever. And, and, he's the dumbest uh, smart person. Um, I'm, and he's very capable as we've seen, um, and things like that, but you always have a choice. It's just, there's just a better, something that seems better to you. Um, and I get it, you know, for him, his family comes first and I don't blame him. I respect that decision, you know, unlike Nancy who values something way more, than uh the survival of her like her her financial survival or the financial survival of her family she values truth more it's not the truth for Carson it's not the same for Carson it's that's not how he rolls and understandably he's a father I was gonna <laughs> so, say she has no children so yeah she has no children I also don't have a child so I, I have a cat who is like my child I suppose to some people have a dog, right? dog. um not the same though and I don't know what I would choose um, if I were in his shoes. Yeah. I know. He, I mean, it's he, rough and you're going to see him have to make a lot more rough choices and uh, they're not necessarily good ones, but we'll get to that. So she confronts Carson and then they go to the funeral because <laughs> that's what we do before we go to funerals. We, we confront our family members and it's really sad to me, like you, you see everybody at the funeral and how they're all acting at the funeral. And the saddest person in that room is Ned Nickerson. Yeah. He is so sad and it really makes you like, oh, like he really, he and Tiffany were really good friends. He really cared about her. And, but you know, he was much more sad than Ryan. Oh. Like Ryan was playing his part. He was playing it well. Like we get a, a glimpse later on, but like openly sad Ned, yeah. Ned wins. It, and it's just, it was the staging of that is really interesting because you technically have Ryan standing next to, or near, right? Her, her open casket, right? And you have the, everyone going in there and, and, saying their goodbyes and things like that and you have Nick outside of that looking at her picture and I think that's very interesting because there's something to be said about seeing her and and wanting to remember her at her best and her her happiest it was like I think it was a picture of maybe it was a picture of her and Laura do I is is that what it is I can't remember remember. I just remember being really sad yeah she looked really like she looked alive um, versus saying goodbye. Yeah. Cause to... she's not there anymore. Like she's, yeah. you know, she, well, I mean, 
she in this show she is she she but <laughs> she is not in her body which is in a casket which is in the other room <laughs> yeah and even her ghostly form is not her like it's no. just her soul wandering and it also speaks volumes laura tandy comes up and she knows nick so obviously she had had a lot of conversations with tiffany about nick in their friendship mm. but and then really oh, happy to see him laura was super she was happy. genuinely you could tell she was genuinely happy to meet him yeah and then it's all ruined because chief mcginnis decides it's appropriate at a funeral to confront ace about all of his following laura tandy and he basically tells him you know she doesn't know anything and everett hudson god evil incarnate walks up to carson and mentions something about him being their lawyer or whatever and i love this line because to me this speaks volumes about carson and his thoughts about ryan he says your son is my client not the hudson family and to me that says that carson like you right might see that there is something redeemable in ryan which Mm -hmm. We talked about this earlier. Ryan needs a father figure. Okay. He needs one. If all he had was Everett, bless his soul, bless his heart. All right. <laughs> Cause he he needs good people in his life. He has not had a single good soul in his life. And I think Carson sees that that's what he needs. Like he needs a good influence. And he I think Carson thinks Ryan can be saved. He can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And that line was like amazing because Everett was like, but he smiled because Everett thinks that he owns the world. But anyways, <laughs> and then Bess is running around all nervous because the Marvins are there. And at that point, we we kind of don't don't know why. <laughs> but but then we cut to George and George puts the ring on the body. But she's interrupted, right, by Ryan yeah. and Everett. And this is a scene, surprising maybe? They come in and Everett says something really insensitive. I and Ryan says... Ryan def- yeah, like that was my wife. Like, Yeah, he defends Tiffany. He defends Tiffany. And, you know, and Everett continues being a pig and says, well, you didn't care about that when she was alive or something along those lines. And then he leaves and he apologizes to Tiffany for it. He him. does. Like, sorry. He said, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry you I'm had to sorry you had to hear that. Or, um, I don't think it was surprising. I think it was affirming. It, 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 like, allowed me to be like, okay, I'm on the right track about Ryan. He isn't evil. Yes. He is um, someone who's lost. And m- much like most of the people in, on the show, he's just lost and he's looking for something. He's looking for his platanker. Aww. <laughs> um, poor Ryan. Um, and I think it's so interesting that all of these characters are very much lost the way the ghosts in the story are, looking for a way to go be able to cross over into the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, that parallel did did jump out at me i don't know yeah. if i'm alone but no i think that's a that's a that's a great parallel um and only continues to kind of ring true even in season two 
<laughs> but anyway, so George comes out, she puts the ring on the body and she very callously says something about, sorry, I slept with your husband. But then she, what she forgets the mirror, the mirror, she forgets knew- it. And did you notice it immediately that she I had did. forgotten? As she's forgotten the mirror and I knew George was going to, when Nancy, when George volunteered to do it, I was just like, no, this is going to, this girl's going to, I was like, this girl's going to get possessed because um, <laughs> it was like my thought and that badly. came to mind. Cause it was like, she has, she believes. And I think it's almost worse to believe and be disrespectful to this world, the supernatural world than it is to just not believe and live your life. Yeah. She's very much aware of, um, of what happens and she just she's so ready to not care because she doesn't want to yeah that she she misses things i was like they should have let nancy do it they should have let nancy do it nancy wouldn't have forgotten the mirror but nancy is too busy confronting bess again uh who then starts talking with a british accent by the way so we knew she was British or she had a British passport, but then she starts speaking with a British accent and you're like, oh, oh okay, that kind of fits, right? In my notes, I was like, Bass is British? It's cow capital letters, three I mean, we saw points. the British passport, but- okay, okay, here's the thing though. I did it. I did not pay attention to that passport the oh way that you gosh. did. Oh my gosh. Which is on me. I should have. I, I, this is Nancy Drew. I should have paid a closer attention. I did not. So when she spoke in her accent, I was just like, Wait. you're not alone. I remember Twitter that night when that happened. Everybody was like, what just happened? But she tells Nancy that the reason why she used Marvin was one, she didn't realize it was such a small town. And two, apparently she does. Her mom told her that they were related to the Marvins. So the reason why she came to Horseshoe Bay was to actually figure out, is she related to the Marvins? So I feel like that's something we will probably come back to revisit on whether or not Bess is a Marvin. And they're outside doing the ceremony after this and Everett Hudson starts to say something. And I didn't even know, I didn't even listen to what it was. I just put screw Everett Hudson. But then- it's not important. It's garbage anyways. And then the 911 call Tiffany make starts playing and Laura Tandy walks to the front and basically says the Hudsons are lying. Tiffany was murdered and I'm going to figure out who did it. But what she did in that moment though, was expose Ace to McGinnis mm-hmm. and Ace is supposed to have this deal with McGinnis, right? right About, you know, and he, we find out after this right that he is blackmailing ace he's basically telling ace that he's going to charge him with something we don't know what it's probably related to the hacking he's going to charge him with something if he doesn't follow through on their deal and by laura doing that she exposed the fact that ace had gotten it for her like there's no other way she could have gotten it and mcginnis knows that mcginnis for all his faults he's not stupid i mean he's kind of stupid but he's just not as smart as everybody else (laughs) but he's not completely hopeless and then there so you know that happened laura tandy i put love her i do love love laura tandy i do think it was kind of terrible that she threw ace under the bus like that Mm -hmm. but anyways karen is there again karen Karen. oh karen (laughs) 
and they're talking about Lucy's murder and it I think this is the point where Nancy asks Karen like did she know Lucy and Karen says you know they went to school together but they didn't really know one another and then Karen accuses her of you know not ever talking about her mom and it kind of seemed like she was deliberately avoiding the conversation mm-hmm. about Lucy did you did you think well I I did uh because as I mentioned last episode I think Karen's involved with uh, everything about Karen is is suspicious to me um I do not she like very her. much has her own agenda it is obvious at this point she has an agenda um but and then that right at right as this is happening we get our first glimpse of the fact that tiffany's ghost might be in george's bag yep uh and then there's this scene and this scene breaks my heart i cried i didn't cry this time i did the first time i watched it oh i cried goes to her mom's grave and carson is there and he has two bouquets which i mean just hard eyes like Carson really and one of them is for Nancy right and we find out we assume this is the first time she's visited her mom since her her mom's grave since she passed away and Carson has been bringing bouquets for both one for each of them and Carson gives her a moment alone at the grave and Nancy has Kennedy is great in this scene Mm because she has this really emotional scene where she confesses that the fact that she has, like you said, it, it had been kind of frustrating at this point that she was still trying to deny the presence of the supernatural when it was very obvious. But she confessed to her mom's headstone that the reason why she had been in denial was because, and I have the exact line. She said, I thought if ghosts exist, you would come to me. Why haven't you? Am I not enough to keep you here? And it was, oh, it was heart wrenching, and like I'm, I'm like tearing up now, and just like reading that. But she, so the reason why she has been so hesitant to believe in the supernatural was because she thought that if the supernatural and ghosts were a real thing, that her mom would come visit her because she, we find out, she never got to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And oh, that, that line, am I not enough to keep you here? Cause you, you can tell like, it, it sounds like a selfish line, right? Like why would she want her mom to still be there? But then also that's how, like when you lose someone, you can't help those thoughts, right? Yeah. And she's young. Like she, she's 19. She still needs her mom in so many ways. Like I'm older and I still need my mother. Like I, that whole scene broke my heart and I did cry unabashedly just in my room by myself, tears everywhere. Um, This show makes me cry a lot. It's, and it was, yeah, because it, it, it's a real, real stuff. Like this is real sentiments that people actually have. Like, it really much reminds you that this show may be supernatural in nature, but these are real people and it grounds it and reminds like there's, it's just amazing to have that reminder that 
despite the fact that Nancy's trying to suss out the truth and is very much driven by that, she has connections to the supernatural world beyond just murder. She has family she would like to see. She has family she wants to talk Mm -hmm. to. She has people that are important to her that she loved very, very much that she wants to still be here in some capacity. And I do not blame her one bit. Nope, me either. So while she's doing that though, Carson's doing the press conference and you know he starts to follow along the family lines but then he comes back and tells everyone that he feels like the autopsy is inconclusive, which gets the media back on the murder train and Everett threatens him. Screw Everett. Who cares about oh, Everett? Hate him. Yep. So Carson, obviously Nancy's line early in the episode really got to him about selling out and he refused in that moment. He, he did what he thought was right. Which I love Carson. Hashtag team Carson. <laughs> Carson's like one of my favorite characters. Um, so then Laura and Ace meet up. She apologizes for the 911 reveal. And Ace, who at this point had been trying to play it very nonchalant, admits to her that the reason why he never called her after she left was because he really liked her a lot. And her leaving really affected him. Um, but he was real quick to forgive her for like, outing him for that 911 call he alone and i'm just boy. like and also he a boy who's under threat <laughs> um i can think of some other single girls who would be great <laughs> for ace i'm well yeah. at this point not actually single never mind but yeah, no you know he it's twofold right he has a pass with her he's a lonely person easy connection to easy to fall back into yeah i guess second thing he's under threat (laughs) and it's easy an easy way to either keep laura safe or use her her if necessary yeah Uh so um i i get it i get it ace do i like it probably not but i get it yep so the the final scene in this episode really focuses in on two characters the first is nick uh nick comes back and the first thing he does is check on the bonds which are still there of course because no one knows about them but nancy and nancy's not a dirty dirty thief but Bess is so be on the lookout for that (laughs) just kidding and he but he realizes he picks the box that they were in up and the bottom is out of it so he realizes that someone has been in his place but luckily fortunately uh he has cameras because of course and so he looks at the camera footage and he sees laura tandy so laura tandy knew apparently about the box knew that it had a false bottom and it looks like he's he zoomed in and there was a flash drive in the box Mm -hmm. laura tandy is now in possession of a mysterious flash drive that we don't know what's on it, but she knew about the box, which checks because, right, she knew about Nick and she knew, yep. I, I would not be at all surprised. Well, I guess this would be in my predictions. I can take it back. <laughs> gotcha. Keep it, keep it. The other character, of course, is, you know, the titular Nancy Drew, who is sitting in her uh, house and she's watching the video footage from the night of the fireworks the night tiffany died again it is the same video footage we saw on the tv earlier 
And the only difference is this time when it gets to the white noise, we see the ghost of who we assume to be Lucy Sable. Lucy. Lucy. In the white noise. So there's ghost sighting number seven. Yep. Maybe we didn't have very many this episode. Not as much. Um, We're about to have an eight, but. Um, especially <laughs> considering uh, last episode with all of the, there the visions um, yeah. and stuff like that. And so this, this one. <laughs> This one was uh, uh, lacking in the ghostly department. It'll make up for it. But <laughs> she discovers, because the video cracks her computer screen, which that's much more expensive to replace than a television. Yeah. And <clears throat> she discovers that the crack in the screen is the same crack from the TV in the microwave. And so she then makes a correct assumption that it is a message. And she realizes that it looks familiar and it is a map of Horseshoe Bay. I don't know how she knows what a map of Horseshoe Bay. I guess I kind of know what a map of where I live looks like. Maybe I don't. Of the highways. So. I know the highways, what they look like because of Google Map. But um, I don't. So she looks <laughs> at the map or whatever and realizes that it leads her to Keene High School, her high school. And when she shows up, <laughs> the light in the trophy case just miraculously oh, turns on. And she goes towards it and hidden behind some pictures in the trophy case, she sees a picture of Lucy Sable, young, fresh-faced, and very much alive with, with Karen, that creepy bench. Karen, <laughs> creepy Karen. So Karen I was lying, surprise, surprise, earlier when she said that she didn't really know Lucy. Apparently they were best friends. And the last scene of the episode, of course, is George leaving the claw, the ghost that we had kind of glimpsed earlier. So I guess actually we saw that ghost twice. We saw it go into her purse. Yeah. And then we saw it coming out, out of her purse. So technically this is number nine. We're yeah, at I guess so. ghost sighting number nine. But the ghost of Tiffany, which had been attracted to the mirror in George's purse that she had forgotten to put on Tiffany's body comes out of the pocketbook, enters into George. She falls to the ground and she starts crawling and you can hear the voice of Tiffany, the same voice from the 911 call. So at this point, we have now assumed that George is possessed by Tiffany. So I'm adding Tiffany to our ghost list. So we have Lucy, Rita, and Tiffany. So we've got three ghosts and nine sightings. Yes, yes. And George uh, is possessed. This can be fun. I, with given her relationship with Ryan, this is going to be interesting. Right? Right. I feel like she was the perfect person to have possessed by Tiffany for she fun was reasons. The, she, yeah, she was the only, uh, she was the obvious choice if you were going to go with possession. <laughs> yes. So on this week's episode of Easter Egg Hunt, we do have one Easter egg from the Nancy Drew Cannon. Do you know what it is? Ooh, no. <laughs> Aww. So uh, this one came late in the episode, actually. Nancy's high school is called Keene High School. Keene is the last name of the author of Nancy Drew, Carolyn uh, Keene. Clearly, I don't pay enough attention because I did know who wrote the books, but I did not remember what the high school is called. Well, when when you're super hardcore obsessed, things pop out at you. Uh, <laughs> so that is our Easter egg for this week. They named the high school after Carolyn King. 
And next we rate the episode. All right. So this week we are rating one to five haunted engagement rings, of course, <laughs> because this, this Duh. title of the episode. Yeah. What would you give it? I actually enjoyed this one more than the last one. So I'm going to give it three and a half haunted engagement rings to the three of the last two episodes. Okay. Three and a half. I actually, I'm showing her in my notebook right now. I also had said three and a half. (laughs) It it is a, a, it's a solid, solid episode. Last episode was a little bit more exciting to me just for the pace of it and all the puzzles and the game. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, I, for some reason, liked this one more. I don't, I can't tell you a reason. I just do. It's okay. You don't have to, you're just rating it. You're not, you don't have to (laughs) validate it. Um, And then finally, Teresa's prediction. Yes. So just like a fun fact, or I sometimes do predictions as the episode goes. So some of my predictions get scrapped because they happen by the end of the episode, which makes me feel good. So like one of those, I just wanted to point out was George equals possession. Um, right hey, after her, uh, that scene with her it. mom. Um, but uh, something that kind of, we, we kind of skipped right over this. Um, oh, but my bad. then, and it's maybe because I read too much into it and, and it's really not that important <laughs> when, when I, when Nancy went to go see Nick at his like machine shop that right, like early in the episode, um, someone calls out to him and <laughs> he says, I'll be right there, Josh. And I was like, who is Josh? because I don't remember him from previous episodes and I would see no reason, especially in a show like this, to give a character a name unless they're going to come back. So my first prediction, because I can't remember, he might have been and it just kind of- So remember he, Nick actually lives at the mechanic shop. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so- Yeah, yeah. So Josh is like the owner of the mechanic shop. Yeah, the mechanic shop. But I couldn't remember if we had ever heard his name before. I don't- Maybe, and so that, so his name, I got, I clocked his name and I was like, he wouldn't give a character a name or have a reason to, especially in the, that line, um, uh-huh. unless he's coming back. So my first prediction is that Josh will become important. Um, okay. I don't know what yet. Don't know anything about Josh. Just think that the mechanic shop will probably become more important to the story and therefore Josh will become more important to the story. Um, it might be because... Laura broke into the shop and everything. And so I feel like that will become a a center player as a setting in a place. Yeah. Um I think, and I uh not not only did Laura help Tiffany um kind of figure out a game plan of sorts, I think she she clearly knows more than she's saying um because she knew about the flash drive um and she knew no. about the bonds and so i think laura is not just there to figure out her sister's murder i think she's there for something else as well it's like a a, a dual purpose visit to horseshoe bay um and uh that flash drive i think has something 
not to do with the murder, not to do with Tiffany, but something to do with Laura. Um, and okay. so I think that will come back. I do think Kate will eventually become a ghost and I think we're going to see her. And I think this episode affirmed that fact for me. I know I kind of mentioned that last last week's or last podcast. Um, and my last thing is whether or not Bess is a Marvin. I, for now, and I think this will quickly change as the episodes go on, do think she'll be a Marvin. I think Horseshoe Bay is too small a town for for a random person in London to be like, we're a Marvin <laughs> from Horseshoe Bay. It's true. It is. It's actually <laughs> really specific. Um, I don't care how wealthy your family is. Uh, I think it seems really specific. You're not. It wrong. seems very specific to me. So I do think Bess will have some connection to the Marvins. I do think she'll become a Marvin. I don't think it will matter. I don't think they'll take like accept her as family. I don't think, and I think, Aww. yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that would have anything to do with the story or how that connects to it. I just think that's going to happen. Okay. So that's all we have for you this week. Make sure you hit us up on social media. Let us know how you're enjoying the podcast, whether you have any predictions of your own or any comments you'd like to make, we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter. My at is slowburnmac, M-A-C, Teresa. Yes, and I'm at Ter, T-E-R-E underscore DV95. Come hit us up. Uh, I really enjoy to hear like all of these theories. I'm trying to catch up while also avoiding things. It's really... Just remember who is who. I've seen <laughs> slow slow burn. I've seen all the episodes and Teresa has not. So don't like put up it. Teresa's DMs and like spoil <laughs> her because she's trying real hard not to spoil herself. I but I am. I'm trying really hard. Yes, but do uh, rate, review, share the podcast wherever it is that you might be listening. If you are on Instagram or Twitter and you want to share out the link to the podcast, make sure you include that hashtag Nancy Drew so people can find it. And we'd really appreciate that. It helps a ton. It does. But that's all we have for you. So until next time, we'll see you later. Bye, everyone.